Final hour of the People Show on a Friday. Last show of the year, too. We'll see you in 2024. A lot coming up this hour. Coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. This hour of the People Show brought to you by Avenue Machinery. Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. Find them together online at DLEAMC.com. As I mentioned, a lot going on this hour. Uh, we'll do a guy's name and dude in the back half of the show. But uh, starting this hour off with uh, Yannick Hansen, longtime NHLer, former Vancouver Canuck. This analyst brought to you by Magnuson Auto Group, Metro Ford, Port Coquitlam, and Magnuson Ford in Abbotsford on both sides of the Fraser to serve you. Yannick, how are you? Yeah, my pleasure. How are you? Uh, we were doing fantastic. How was Christmas? I was busy. Uh, it's in the rear view now, but uh, <laughs> no, it was good. You know, we, we've always talked to you about, like, and, and you've had great insight on certain things of, like, you know, the first game on the road trip and, and tough schedule spots. Last night, Canucks lose to uh, the Philadelphia Flyers. Is the first game after Christmas a tough one? Uh, yes, to some extent. Uh, but but it's kind of it's tough on everyone. Uh, I'd say it's probably tougher on the Flyers than it is on, on the Canucks uh, based on how you travel. Normally when you go east or west, you go two days in advance. Um uh, just to kind of get a chance to get ahead of the, the jet lag a little bit, the time change, and obviously they weren't allowed that with how t- uh, travelers allowed on, on the 26th there. So um, I wouldn't say that uh, I'm going to give them a, a freebie on that one. That <laughs> um, They played a half-decent game. They were off for two minutes, and then they scored three goals. Uh, uh, it's one of those things where uh, you, 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 you go away for uh, yeah, a short amount of time in this league, and then the games are out of hand. So... Uh, again, it's tough because they were on a good roll here and and playing some good hockey. You'd like them to continue with that, um, and it didn't. But again, now it always comes down to to the response after a loss. So let's see the next game they play here, how they look, and and are they back to to where they were uh, uh, prior to Christmas, or, or is it uh, trending in the wrong direction? So like, I don't read too much into it. Yeah, it was a frustrating game in that respect. And as you said, two minutes, the game completely turns on its head. Um, Vic and I both said, actually, that one thing that we've been impressed by this team is their ability to rebound, whereas in the past, they've let some of these these hiccups go on and go on. And uh, do, you, do you see them being able to, to get back to uh, what's made them successful and certainly the way that they were playing ahead of the Christmas break? There's nothing uh, from their game this year that makes me believe that they won't do that. Because um, they've had these letdowns, if you will call it a letdown. They've had these losses, uh, bad games, um, and they found a way to bounce back every time. So uh, this time we'll, we'll, we'll say history on their side, and they've, they've found a way to battle back. Um, I will say that, that uh, as the, the season gets older here and we get closer to the deadline, um, the intensity will ramp up, um, and that's where... The, the the good teams will separate or the great teams will separate from the good team and that and teams and that's where we will really see what what this team is made of when when it starts to to come down to the nitty gritty because we are still a little bit away from it but intensity will will ramp up the closer we get to to the end. Rick Tockett used that exact term last night about ramping up. Um, when you get to Christmas break. Is it a natural spot to just kind of stop and look at the standings and say, oh, Vancouver is here, and, and, and will they become the hunted as the, the, this next stretch up until the All-Star break? It, it's too early for that. Um, 
but, but it is like I said, you, you get closer to the All Star break. Um, once you get past that, that that's when it's really start boiling down because that's when you start to to notice teams are buyers or sellers. Um, but but you're still in the you're still in the dark days of the the season, if you will. You're still too far away from uh, from anything shaping out. We're too far away to read out uh, any teams or uh, in the same sense in, as in uh, uh, set teams. So it it's still it, it's. A lot of games, uh, a lot of dark nights, um, and, and you're trying to survive this, uh, create some distance uh, from yourself to the other teams, and then they like say, oh, all-star break will come, you'll get a reset there as well, and then we're almost at the finish line. I wasn't surprised last night that the the line that gets the Canucks on the board and gave them a little bit of a bump in the third period was that third line. When we talked to you last week, we spent a while talking about the role that they've played, uh, the impact that they've had. They certainly have been a line that's been setting the tone for the team lately, which is nice in a sense because you're getting something from the bottom six and they're, they're putting up points. But it also maybe casts a light on the top two lines needing to to step up. Do do you look at that as a positive or a negative when a, when the line that is the one that's making the headlines and often defining games is not the one with the stars on it? Uh, that's 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 never. You want them. You want them doing that. So don't get me wrong. Um, but but uh, they shouldn't they shouldn't outshine if you put it in that terms that the other guys because. Again, you, you win and you lose with your best players, and the best players are on the top two lines. Um, so, so you'd prefer them to be um, – they don't have to be the decision makers every every night, but uh, you prefer them to, to win majority of their matchups um, and at least not be the reason why you're losing. Um, so, again, it's great the third line. They, they played phenomenally now, the, the bottom six, for, for quite a while now uh, and been a catalyst. Um Again, if you can get the, the, the top guys back to where in in the beginning of the season, you you, you become you become a very very tough team to play against. Um, so I'm not looking in bad ways. It, it's great that they're going that way. Now now we just need to get the rest going, um, and then kind of get everything uh, coming together at the right time uh, in the right place. That Bluger line yesterday started off going up against Couturier, and it was you know one of the rare times we've seen them. It felt like they were going to get a matchup role rather than just, hey, we'll roll the lines. If you're out there against the first line, it happens. And Rick Tockett cycled away from it mid-second period. When you look at that line, can they be a matchup line or should they be feasting on bottom six? Um, I think you can trust them in both roles. Um, and that's where you're not worried when you go on the road. Uh, so so on the road, you just throw them out whenever you want to. And if it end up being uh, you're playing against top, well, then we're matching. Then we're then we're making sure we're not getting scored on and we take our uh, uh, chances when the other guys are on the ice. And, and if you show me uh, you're playing me the, the bottom line of, of the other team, well, then we're going to try to score and we're going to try to create advantages that way. Um, when you have the type of line they have right now, it, it doesn't matter. And, and your matchup, um, especially on the road, doesn't matter all of a sudden. You, you're just rolling. Then at home you can make these decisions if you do want it. Um, but but again, it, it makes the life a lot easier when you're not pigeonholed into to something. And we have to do this in order to to give ourselves a little bit of an edge. Uh, right now, it, it seemed like they have an edge, uh, regardless of how they decide to to roll them out. 
because they're having success, but you know, of the three of them, it's really only Bluger that I look at and say he's he's a true like he views the game from a defensive lens. You were part of a matchup line, and the three of you felt like you brought you know uh, physicality and you you viewed the game defensively before thriving in so many other roles. If you were to try to put like three players together on this line that became a matchup line, which three guys would you use? Yeah, I wouldn't exactly call Rafi a defensive player, um, but, <laughs> but, but there was man, a physical presence to it. Many, many more, more weighed up for that uh, <laughs> in a sense. But it, it's three guys that works well that tilt the ice in the right direction, and, and therefore you, you're not playing in your own end. Offense is the best defense. All these cliches. Um, so, so you're becoming a good checking line because of the fact that you're you're tilting the ice. Um, so yeah, it's not the prototypical defensive line that that you've seen uh, ten years ago or, or, or stuff like that. But but um, when when you have guys who drives possession, who, who controls the the game when you're out there, well well you will by definition shut other teams down because they're not having the puck, they're not creating opportunities. Um, and again, those three they have three uh, different players that have different intangibles. Which also means that it, it doesn't really matter what type of of line you're matching them up against, because they all have strengths they can they can rely on, regardless of if it's fast paced, big physical, or or you need a little bit more attention to details. They can kind of go into all those three scenarios, and that makes them that makes them a lot easier for a coach when when you ha- don't have to worry about oh, it's a fast line or it's a fast team we're playing against. Now we can't use these guys because they're they're, they're big and physical. Or, oh, it's the big and physical uh, team we're playing against now, and these guys are all small and fast, and, and now we can't use them there either. So so they have that to rely on, that they have different things that are their strength um, that will come through when, when they need it. And then right now, for some reason, they just gel. Um, and a line that, that works well together um, is that much harder to play against because you're a little bit quicker than the opposition because you think the same way, you play the same way, and you have the same idea. So they've come together at a great time, and they're playing well right now. And, again, the fact that we're talking about them in a positive light and not how it's been in the past where the bottom six was a, was a black hole for, for offense. Like right now, we, we have something good going, and, and you're, you're starting to talk about dipping into – um, other sides of it, so it's not just a matter of okay, are they holding their own now? No, they're they're producing, and are we using as as, as a shutdown? So it's 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 a lot of good things that are going on right now. At practice today, Phil DiGiuseppe bumps back into the lineup. Niels Hoaglander skates as the extra guy. Uh, those winger spots, there's been quite a bit of rotation this year, you know, with Sam Lafferty getting an opportunity to play with Elias Pettersson. We've seen Pia Suter in that role. There's those four or five guys that are rotating on the wing, and they might be not playing at all, or they might be playing with uh, a guy that last year put up 100 points, or if they're playing with JT Miller, a guy that put up close to 100 points the year before that. What's the what's the mentality for those players that are in that rotation where they're getting opportunities at times to play in big roles and 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 make an impact on scoring lines and then if that doesn't go well after four or five games in Hoaglander's case for example they they might end up out of the lineup how do you how do you manage that if you're in that position Yeah it's hard mentally there's no question about that um but from uh not thinking of those individuals, it it creates competition and it keeps them on their toes. You don't get comfortable. You don't get lazy. Uh, you play, you play your last, your next shift as it's your last shift. 
Um, and that's how you can push guys when you have these interchangeable guys where you, you kind of have your twosomes and, and then you, you throw in a, a third guy and that guy's got to He's got to stir the pot. He's got to get on the forecheck, get in front of that, win battles, finish his checks, all these little things. And that's a very hard way to play. Um, so they kind of like you need a little bit of reset, a little bit of a rest. And then there's another guy waiting to take over and, and fill those shoes. And right now it, it's worked well with the guys who've cycled in. Herkland has had a lot of success. Giuseppe had a lot of success early in, in the season as well. So you have these guys that you can kind of throw into the mix uh, and hopefully not not miss a beat um but but again from from their individual standpoint it's very hard and it's very taxing worrying about was oh, this my last shift is this my last game uh, am i going to get sat now because i didn't score in two straight um all, all these things but but hopefully um they look at it from a competitive side and and they push each other and the team becomes better because of it well, even Rick Tocca today was mentioning, you know, Phil DiGiuseppe goes back in that line and you're talking about sustaining a level of play and being the first on the four check and all these things. And I, I wonder if it's how much of it is about keeping a certain standard of effort as well through this, th- through the lineup. Because you look at yesterday and, you know, we can talk about a team that uh, amongst the best in the league and are they still at a stage where they, they can't relax against a mid-tier team that they have to be consistent with their energy? The league is too good that if you relax, you, you lose. Um, you, you have to be good every single night. Uh, otherwise, uh, your, your edge disappears real fast. Um, and that's just the, the name of the game these days. Uh, if you're not there, um, somebody will take it from you. Um, so, so yeah, they, they got a great record and, and all these things. But, but if you don't show and if you're not there for 60 minutes, it's not enough to play 55. You, you're going you're gonna to lose most nights. Um, and that's just the way it is right now. So it is. It's attention to details. It's taking care of business. Uh, one one game, one shift at a time. Uh, a lot of cliches, but but that's that's the way you you get to the playoff. You need to be methodically in your approach, in your execution, and then hopefully that will get you there. And then once you get there, now we can we can have these things where where guys can take over series and and win them for you but you need to get there first coming off of the holiday break uh, I think it was a pretty fair assumption that Thatcher Demko would get the start that obviously wasn't the case Casey DeSmith gets the start Uh, he'd obviously been on on quite the roll heading into last night's game is is that something that you look at from the goaltending perspective that this team has certainly gotten above average goaltending so far this season where they feel comfortable going to the backup goalie in in that first game out of the break? Yeah, it, it's very comforting the way he's been playing. Um, so even when, when, when them could get a night off, you're not like, oh, we're, we're, we're a little bit behind the A-ball hill. Um, so, so it's great to see. And he, he's, uh, he's been earning his paycheck every single game he's played. Um, so so the, it gives you a lot of confidence as a team that, yeah, our, our starter, our number one guy, the guy who is going to lead us anywhere we're going to go this year, he's not in net. But we're still we're still got a pretty good chance of winning here. Um, and, and again, it, it keeps Demko fresh as well because he's going to be playing a lot of hockey. He will be playing a lot of hockey. He will be relied on. Um, so any any game, any night he can get off is a is a plus down the road. Uh, talking to Yannick Hansen as we do here on Tuesdays and Fridays on Sportsnet 650. I, I'm not sure if you saw the the rumors that were coming out uh, over the past 24 hours about Pedersen and uh, you know maybe there's a scheme to get him to to, to Chicago in the off season when he's a restricted free agent and 
I want to I want to do this in two parts here. If if you're the team here, um, what would be your sales pitch, Yannick Hansen's sales pitch to Elias Pettersson to stay in Vancouver? You got a chance to win here. You go to Chicago, you don't. Uh, <laughs> it is that simple? Like the, the, he, he's been mentioning, he want to play on a team that 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 can win, that that's going to be competitive right now, not four years down the road. Um, if he's true to his word, he's not going to Chicago. You, you're staying here. You, you've proven that this year. Um, so, so uh, again, that that that's the you're you're in a tough position with him because he's put himself in a phenomenal position. He can take his qualifying offer and then he can walk away next year. Um, and then the qualifying offer is not a slap in the face. It's a very nice contract he's going to get. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you have full control. Um, but but he he's put himself in a phenomenal position um, with his production, his play, the deal he signed, the the way it was structured. Um, so yeah, you're you're a little bit of of the mercy of him uh, in terms of what he wants. Um, hopefully, you get clarity um, the sooner the rather than later what he wants, so you don't walk into the last couple of months not knowing and having to make a decision. Um, but it's it's one of those you're you're selling you're selling how the team is playing right now how it's looking uh, where you're sitting um, the city itself and and then you hope that that it's enough. Ultimately, you know he, he's put himself in this position, like you said, Yannick, by his play and his contract, and he he can make whatever decision he wants once he gets to that point whether it is asking for a trade or just walking to free agency and, and going wherever he wants. But he, the only thing that we really know publicly is is what you said that he said, which is he, he wants to be on a competitive team. He wants to be on a competitive team now. It, that would be the Canucks argument. Uh, certainly so far this season, they've shown that. But is, is there a flip side where there there might be more to – there might be more to, to what he's looking for than, than what we understand publicly, which is, as you said, he wants to be on a team that can compete right now. Yeah, again, as to what, what he thinks and all these things, like the, the, the thing you got to think about is like if a player like his caliber becomes available July 1st or whenever the, the, the free agency is, no team that is at, at the top of the packing order here is going to have 11, 12 million sitting around. Um, like the, 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 the elite teams don't have that kind of cash sitting around. The, the teams that have that around are the bottom tier teams, the ones that are building, that are hoping to trend in the right direction. Um, so, so again, if you're going to a team, you, you're going to be, I'm assuming he's going to want to be the, the number one center uh, wherever he goes or that guy. And that's where it kind of like you're starting over. You're starting with a with a team that that's on a hopefully upward trajectory. But, but again, it, it's so much speculation. Um, and again, maybe he just wants out of the out of the Canadian market. Again, it's speculating. Maybe mm-hmm. he doesn't want to deal with the media. Um, maybe he doesn't want to be recognized everywhere he goes. Uh, every time he he leaves his uh, his house. Um, and if those are concerns he has then you have no chance of holding him. If he doesn't like what he sees, he, he's going to get his money somewhere else and then live in, in anonymity uh, when he's not at the rink and go about his business. Uh, but like I said, th- those are hopefully the questions you're going to get from him sooner rather than later so it doesn't drag out and, and become a, a big thing next year. 
I, I don't think this year you, you're too worried about it um, in terms of how the season is going to progress and end out once we go through the playoffs. But once summer rolls around and you go into that last year of his deal, whatever it is, if it is the, the, the one-year qualifying offer or whatever it, it, it turns out to be, um, then there's going to be a lot of tough decisions that you have to make real fast because obviously you can't let a guy like that walk for, for nothing. One of the moments that we reference a lot when we're talking about these contract negotiations and how difficult they can be is when Daniel and Henrik Sedin were signing their deals back in 2009. Uh, what was your perspective and your feelings through that whole sequence of maybe they were leaving, maybe they weren't? Uh, what were your memories of that whole sequence? Yeah, I was uh, I was a little bit upset Gillis didn't flew to Denmark and sign me as well once he was over there. <laughs> uh, he must have skipped that stop. Um uh, no, it was obviously you were sitting on pin needles. You know, like if they stay, we, we're we're contending, um, and if they go, like blow the whole thing up and we'll start all over. So you're sitting and waiting and hoping that that they'll be back, uh, and and then you can kind of just yeah okay, breathe a sigh of relief once they sign that those deals, um, and then our team really took took shape. Do you feel like the the players might have that similar? unease right now with, with with how this goes not not yet because like i say you're still playing this year you're sitting in a great position and he's not going anywhere when they're leading the league that's for sure so like this will come down into next year and 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 how the things that are progressing uh it's hard to get straight answers out of guys too in contract negotiation what they really want even though you're sharing a dressing room with them because you don't really talk about it in that way um so so a lot of things goes into it uh, you you're hoping the band will stay together if you have something good going uh, and if you can see a, a path forward but again you're you're waiting until that that needle drops and uh, pens put to paper if you will and now we can we can put it in the rear view uh Yannick uh, we appreciate it as always uh, all the work this year uh happy new year and uh, we'll talk to you soon yeah sounds good happy new year to you guys as well thanks Yannick Yannick Hansen joining us here, longtime NHLer, former Vancouver Canuck here on the People's Show. Uh, he is brought to you by Magnuson Auto Group, Metro Ford, Porco Quitlam, and Magnuson Ford in Appetsford on both sides of the Fraser to serve you. You know, the, the, there's so many different perspectives in the ecosystem of this, of uh, the Pedersen camp, the, the Canucks camp, the fans and all this. The teammates' perspective is all this, and it's, you know, just... Hearing the thoughts there of when, when Daniel and Henrik were going through it, uh, what it meant for the, the rest of the players. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Pretty good one-liner yes. there as well. <laughs> but, I mean, that's that's the thing I keep going back to, and you know, maybe it's just the way that we frame it in, in the media. But there seems to have been, you know, even if you want to make it the core Hughes, Patterson, Demko, you know, I guess the, the broader version includes JT Miller. Mm-hmm. At some points, has included Brock Besser, you know, whatever. I, I, I'm a small core guy. Whatever yeah. version you want yeah. to put down, though, there's been there's been a, a, a real push that they want to win here. They are embarrassed by the lack of results here, and Patterson's hard to read in these scenarios. Uh, and there, that's why a rumor like yesterday's catches fire, and people mm-hmm. are interested in it because, wait, would he really? I mean, Yannick said it right, like. Everything that we've heard about Elias Pettersson is mm-hmm. that he wants to be the best player in the league. He wants to be on the McDavid, McKinnon, Matthews level. And then this rumor is he's going to go and play with Connor Bedard. And even if you do the well, it's because he can team up with Nylander there and they have the cap room. And 
they've got Bedard on a on a rookie contract for a couple more years. That still doesn't line up with the idea of this guy wants to be the best player in the league, mm-hmm. right? The, the, these these morsels that we get from Elias Pettersson that we try to read into. Let me pause you there because I want to expand on that because because now we're getting to a legacy conversation, right? And it, it'd be an interesting thing to unpack. Let's do that on the other side. You can text in 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Final segment of the year of the People Show on the way here on the Home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.